Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Red Men Radio, the Liverpool podcast that Chris is going to fight his way through, through wind, rain and horrendous cough. Uh, we're going to talk about how boss the Reds are, basically. We had a great performance against Bournemouth at the weekend. We've got a big game, weirdly big game against West Brom, um, coming up mainly thanks to them, them beating Manchester United. Uh, we've got a little bit from Jamie Callagher in the middle, and we're going to be talking about Trent and his World Cup chances a little bit later on and taking some of your questions as well. But before then, the Liverpool Echo are running a quiz to name all 31, 31 goal scorers of the Jürgen Klopp reign. Mr. Chris Pajak. Hi, mate. How are you doing? How, how, how confident are, are you on this? Not very, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. I was slowing down around 13, 14, and... Uh, yeah, it was just tight work. Soft. Soft. No, no, I, I, no, 12. <laughs> so, so what we're going to do, is, as pitched by Simon, is we're going to go back and forth, um, naming a player, uh, and then if one of us gets it wrong or can't go, then the other person wins. I guess we'll work out if we both can't can't go or we both get one wrong, we'll go to some sort of sudden death shootout or something. I yeah. don't know. Well, it's podcast, so it's probably something good, like rock, paper, scissors. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Let's do the most visual thing we can. <laughs> Welcome to the YouTube viewers, by the way. Um, yes, Chris, um, would you, do you want to go first? <coughs> not really. I've not got a coin, so I can't. I'll go first. I've got a coin, I've got a coin. Heads or tails? So you don't want to go first, but you don't want to go second. I don't tails want you to have your choice. never fails, apart from when it's heads. Visual medium. Um, so do you want to go first or second? Bobby Firmino, first. Mohamed Salah. Divock Origi. Okay. Sadio Mane. Trent Alexander-Arnold. Adam Milana. <whistles> Emery Chan. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Jeannie Wijnaldum. Jordan Henderson. Might have slowed down for size typing here. Daniel Sturridge. Dejan Lovren. Phil Coutinho. Virgil van Dijk. Uh, ben Woodburn. Ooh, that's a shout. James Milner. Uh, Are you into gamble territory yet? Lucas Lever. That's a gamble. He scored. He was one of me. He was one of me gambles. Okay, cool. Um, Mamadou Sacco, Joel Matip, Joel Matip, yeah, Defo, yeah, two, 
Wow, leave us another gamble. Cool. Ragnar Clavin. Alberto Moreno. Yep. Oh, shout. Okay. We're getting into gamble territory. Christian Batter, Christian Benteke. Jordan Ab. Yep. Shea Ojo. Yep. Eric Bailly. No. Scored against us for Manchester. Scored for us for Manchester United. Not if it's not on the 31. He did? Uh, well, listen, is it on the 31? No. That's not fair. Uh-uh. Liverpool's 31 goal scorers. No. Yeah, exactly. And he scored for Liverpool. Listen, Kish. He's going uh, off the website. Me. Excuse me. Name all 31 scorers from Jürgen's reign. Doesn't say Liverpool's. Doesn't say anything. It says name all 31 scorers from Jürgen's reign. Then it's not 31. So it's wrong either way. So the echo Listen. is wrong in this one. I can go again. I was doing no, that. Wrong. No, no, no. Not at all. You're wrong. Well, you're not wrong. You're not out until I name another one. That is cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Skirtle. Correct. Nathaniel Klein. You're out, nope. So anyway, Liverpool this played Bournemouth this week. So Liverpool beat Bournemouth three 0 Yeah. Good that. Yeah, it was good. You fucking cheat. <laughs> that was a very, very pleasant way to spend the Saturday evening. It was lovely. The atmosphere was so good. Paul. It's funny because I, I, I missed it. I ended up watching it at home and. It, you could tell from from there. I thought it was, but everyone I've spoken to said it was surprisingly good. You kind of said in the build up to it, you thought there was there would be a little bit of a <coughs> homecoming vibe to it. People are like, they just just wanted to sing and cheer, just to kind of say a bit of a thank you to the lads. It feels like everyone's finally singing from the same hymn sheet all of a sudden. Yeah. All LA, those, LA, LA. well, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's that, it's that. It's a bit of a cliche, but we've made it a cliche. Is that whole when Jurgen come in and he talked about the doubters to believers thing? We're living it. Yeah, we're actually living it. Absolutely, and you know everybody does believe at the moment, and everybody's turning up to Anfield to have a good time and witness this great team play football. And that's ultimately what it comes down to as well, isn't it? You know, we can be in a good mood, but if we play shit, if you don't have a good start to the game, that does affect you as a crowd and a fan base. And you know, we started off two minutes in, Mo Salah could have scored a goal. Yeah. You know, and he was fuming as well that he never he kicks the ball at the side netting in anger, doesn't he? And then six minutes later, Mane's put the ball into the, or four minutes later, sorry, six minutes into the game, Mane's put the ball into the back of the net, and you're brilliant the lads have just picked up where they, where they left off against Manchester City we're scoring goals for fun Bournemouth aren't offering absolutely anything and do you know what I don't think I've mentioned it anywhere else but I do feel like the Grand National being on Saturday has helped us there as well in, right. in that I don't think a lot of the normal match going crowd was there I think a lot of them weren't, weren't there there was so many kids around the stadium more so than I think I've seen for an evening game in Anfield maybe like the cup games and it felt a little bit like that type yeah. of an atmosphere you know a little bit of a younger crowd who want to sing who want to shout yeah. who want to who want to wave their arm in the air and scream like the, the nuts and even after the game like doing the fan camps and stuff there was just a much bigger crowd and you know there's a few things the sun was out I think it was a slightly younger crowd Liverpool are absolutely mustard and we've got the best front three in the world what's not to be happy about yeah. oh wait we're in the semi-final of the Champions League to boot yeah absolutely it was it was one of those games where that had um, we've talked about it a lot it's been the underlying story of the season about this conquering the little bits of 
doubt and a little bit of fear that exists in your mind around Liverpool. And there is a degree to which, having had such a, a, an epic, what, 10 days or whatever, and gotten through it, or not even 10 days, like week, oh, epic week and a half, whatever, the you go into a Bournemouth game, and we said in the build-up, Bournemouth was pretty much the one of the perfect opponents you could have had. There was a selection of teams, we said, from like 9th to 15th, who are largely safe, not a great deal to play for, and we're quite irresistible. But you're still going into that game thinking, well, you know, are we knackered? What are we going to do? And I remember seeing when the team, the team selection came out, I was like, oh, well, we've won this. Because, I, you know, I, I did the, the start 11 prediction. When I did me, me preferred 11 going into the game, I was making sweeping changes for this. I was like, right, get everyone wrapped up. Give everyone, give, give everyone good the week off because we give ourselves a bit of breathing room. That's fine. Jürgen's like, no, look, we're all in this. And it, it goes back to that the, that Rafa Honigstein book. Adam Lallana talks about it, about how you get, you're bought into it. You look around at your mates and you see he's hurting too. And that makes it okay because you know he's hurting as much as you are, but you don't want to be the first guy to drop. And it by Jürgen turning around to the team and going, not even Klein. Like that, that shocked me that Nathaniel Klein wasn't picked for that game. Was he on the bench, was he? But you know, it's, it's mad. And maybe, maybe it's, maybe that, maybe it's an injury thing. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know, but, the fact that he basically went, there's my best team, have at, have at your Bournemouth, was like, it sent, it sent a message to the players, it sent a message to Bournemouth, and it sent a message to the fans that, no, we're just going to go and we're going to do what we do and we're going to win this game. Yeah, and that's it. And you think, you think of what Jürgen Klopp's been saying since he came in, you know, we take a game at a time and every manager says it, but it's not, it's not very believable when they make wholesale changes for the game, whereas he's been telling them now for six weeks, he's been telling the media, no, the Premier League's important, the race for the top four is important. Well, how do you show your team that? You play your strongest team, and they look around and go, fuck, he's serious, we can't we can't take our foot off the gas here. Yeah. The boss has put the best 11 out there, we've got to go and perform now. Yeah. He's given us the best chance of winning this game that's possible. You know, it's that, you're looking at that, and I know there's a degree to which the midfield was always going to be the midfield. And the defence, you know, there were a couple of you could easily have brought Moreno and when I say not any potential injury or whatever, notwithstanding, he could have brought he could have, you know, if if Clive was fit, he could have easily brought him back in for that. He could have started a Clavin, etc. But I think it's that it's the front three thing. You know, I'm sure Danny Ings and Dom Solanke will have had one eye on this game thinking That'll be for that'll be for me. That I'll get a little look in there. I'll get another chance like I did in the derby, and that'll be it. The second that he picks that front three, including Mo Salah, that the rest of the team are like, well, shit. We, when did he we bring Dom Solanke on? Ninety-one minutes. Yeah. 91 minutes, we were 3-0 up. He could have quite easily, I think we scored the second goal on the 69th. You could have quite easily put Dom Solanke on at 69 there um, and given him 20 minutes. But that's not Jürgen Klopp. That's not what he wants to do. He said it and we didn't believe him. I've rotated my players enough in the early part of the season that I don't have to now. Yeah. 91 minutes after Bobby Firmino scores, he brings he brings Dom Solanke on. And that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, no, absolutely phenomenal in the, way, in the way we've done that. And the way we went about the game, I thought was absolutely outstanding. And it was great in, in commentary on the TV. Uh, Owen Hargreaves was doing the colour commentary for BT and he just loved Jordan Henderson and it was it was really refreshing to hear someone come on and it helps because effectively 
Henderson's playing in Hargreaves' position, so we'll have a, a better understanding of that than most <laughs> than you know than someone than some you know forty year old winger snide having a go or, or whatever or a, or a, or a, or a, a very or a nice way to talk about Steve McManaman. I was talking about <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Steve McManaman. Um, Steve McManaman was fine, um, but you know you get it you get it from a lot of the the, the players and the ex players and they don't they don't back Liverpool. As much or players as much as they should do, or whatever. But it was great to hear them effusion. And to be fair, it wasn't unfounded. Jordan Henderson was fantastic in that game. Yeah, he was so much so that we did the uh, stats and tactics on him this week, didn't we? On on the website and stuff. And you know, we just highlighted some of the stuff that he was doing, and not just him though as well. Paul the midfield, and you know, I watched that game back with a fresh set of eyes on on Monday, and you know, looking at the way the midfield plays compact when they need to play compact, and then sort of expands and then they contract and stuff like. And you can understand that that Wijnaldum, Ox, and Henderson midfield. It's not the it's not full of star-studded names. Yeah. It's, it's not like Manchester City's midfield with De Bruyne and Silva. But you know what? They got the better than first and foremost. Yeah. And each person understands their job role. And there was a lot of, you know, there was times where Jordan Henderson was playing in the eight and Ox was playing in the six during that game. Yeah. And you're looking at it and you're going, wow, we talk about the fluidity of the front three all the time. Have a, can we just appreciate just what the midfield's been able to do over yeah. the last few weeks as well? And not only that, the confidence that is, I think is running through this side now because when your backs are against the wall, we shut Manchester City out in that second half in the first leg. We weren't, they didn't score after one minute into the second leg. And, you know, and there was backs to the wall defending there and it's down to the defence, it's down to the midfield and it's down to the forwards. And they're looking at it and they're going, well, if we sit in here and protect the 2-0 lead, they're not breaking us down because yeah. Manchester City couldn't break us down yeah, and yeah. they're the best team in the league. It's true. What you say about the midfield, it's funny because I actually, when I was writing the agenda for this last week, we totally freaked style that didn't we we just sat down and talked because it was a bit raw after after the second leg of City so the last time I actually wrote an agenda for this was after the after the first leg and I had combined 11 their midfield is head and shoulders above above ours and you're dead right it's it's, it's funny that you wouldn't argue Kevin De Bruyne and, and, and Silver the, the quality of them but it's that some of its parts thing and you're dead right. There's a point now where we've actually forgotten how good Genie Wijnaldum is, I think, in the, in the last few weeks because because he had that illness and he was missing for a couple of weeks and he missed a couple of really crucial parts of the se- part of the season. And that's when Oxlade-Chamberlain's step back to the form. Milner's just been absolutely class in that period. We've forgotten just how what a tidy and what a useful midfielder he can be. And it's coming off the back of the Man, the Man City stuff, you know, second half in particular when he found his footing. He was great. Jürgen clearly loves him yeah. as well. And he, and I, what I think what we're starting to see it was a point made by I think I think I was talking to, I was talking to my dad about it. Or maybe it was, <laughs> or maybe, maybe it was, anyway. The one other actually played it really safe in this game, but he was very he was just very tidy. He was very economical. Ends up with a, a, the perfect pass completion. And yet we were able to we're, we're starting to be able to appreciate Genie Wijnaldum for what it is, and I think that goes throughout the entire squad. No one's asked anymore that Genie Van Alden doesn't score 15 goals a season because we're provided the midfield all works, who gives a who gives a fuck about the output? Because ultimately, if Liverpool are winning and Liverpool are successful, we don't need to cast jealous eyes at Man City's midfield anymore. No, not at all. It's about scoring goals for the team, isn't it? And our front three have scored 82 goals for the team this season so far. And you know, if Van Alden picks up five, it gives a shit. You know, it, it it genuinely doesn't matter. And it's funny, we we do this all the time with players, it's not just Genie Wijnaldum. Whenever they go missing or they get an injury or, you know, they're not on the side, we just think they're shit for some reason. And yeah. we forget that actually they're all good players and yeah. they can all do a job for this side. And it's Jürgen's role to, to 
find a place and to find a, a place where that player is suitable. And Gino Wijnaldum was brilliant. And, you know, I looked at a lot of his passes. He made 42. You're right, he, he, it was 100% pass completion on the day. He completed all 42 of them. Yeah, there was lots of sideways balls. But he played four key passes during that game as well. And you don't play four key passes by just playing sideways balls. You know, you're doing a job for the team. And what I really loved about it, and I went into this a little bit in depth on the stats and tactics, was... Bournemouth at times were playing two banks and you know, and then Defoe was sort of the man who was trying to come out of the ball. And what I really enjoyed was watching Jeannie and watching Henderson just drop just above the halfway line. And we were playing the ball on the edge of the box at times, Paul. And then we'd knock it back to the halfway line. Now the crowd's not getting on anyone's back because we're 1-0 up there early in the game. And what all that did was... Bournemouth midfield pushed out and Bournemouth defence pushed out and spaces opened up and then those two midfielders played through the lines into Salah's feet or something like that and Salah's got 10 yards of space around them because the midfielders just pushed up yeah. and I wonder whether we're going to see that over the next few weeks if that's how we're going to break low block t- sides down not like Manchester City tied against us where they just kept piling fellas forward and piling fellas forward we actually went the other way we pulled them back their midfield comes out and then a couple of passes and you're in. Yeah. And it was a really cool little evolution that I noticed against Bournemouth that uh, I don't think we've done before. And what's amazing around it as well, it goes back to the rotation thing, is that cast your mind back a year, just a year, and we were dead on our feet at this time last season. Absolutely goosed. And this side was lying on the ground digging its fingernails into the road in front of it and dragging itself along. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, Oxley Chamberlain looks like he's just started. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't look, he just looks fit and fresh and vibrant. Jordan Henderson, similarly. And, now, and, the, and <coughs> a lot of this is, some of this is rotation, some of this is a little bit of the injury thing because Jordan Henderson's not put, a full se- not put a full season in. But he looked up for it. He looked like he was prepared to physically prove a point. Like seeing Genie play his role for a couple of weeks has made him go, okay, well, I, I can... Let me let me try a little bit more a bit more of that stuff, you know. We we put Mil we, we benched Milner because he's played a load of footy, but he's he's there ready to come in. He's just he's just played a ton of football and actually didn't look any worse for it at the end at the end of it as well. This is a side that you know we maybe it co- maybe it's probably cost us the league, maybe. But if it means that we're in, if we're able to enact. Because, like you say, we're actually making tactical jumps as the season's going on. We're getting better and better and better. We've not just got one way of playing. We are we are enhancing and improving every area of how we play football. And there's like a month of the season left to go. Yeah. We should just be head down and focused <laughs> on just doing the same, chugging away, doing the same thing. Now, nah, fuck it. We're just going to continue to find ways to work. And we're, if it means we run loads, we run loads. If it means we do some smart tactical stuff, we'll do some smart tactical stuff. It's absolutely incredible. And everything that everything that these lads seem to be doing at the moment is working. And yeah, the confidence is flowing from them, from the manager, from the fans. And right now we're looking pretty unstoppable. Like. Mm. It's absolutely a great time to be a Red Bull. Oh, yes. Um, it's also a great time to be a subscriber to the RedmenTV.com. Did you know? It's always uh, a great time. Well, yeah, yeah but yeah, even better than ever because last week Chris got to sit down with Liverpool legend Jamie Carragher. <coughs> if Jamie Carragher is really sick at the moment... <laughs> You'll know why. Um, sorry, Jamie. Um, but yeah, Chris got to sit down and have a little bit of a chat with him. Here's a little sneaky peek of what they spoke about. I, I just think a massive thing is, is full-back positions. It really is. Now, I think when you've got a defensive manager, because at the end of the day, your two centre-backs don't move. You've got a, an attacker manager or a defensive manager. You, 
people say, oh, centre-backs coming out with the ball. You maybe you've got three at the back. You don't see centre-backs. Maybe doing what Hansen did. You, you just see you do that. It doesn't really happen. I think a lot depends on your full-backs and the positions they take up. Now, when I played under Cooley, I was a full-back. I was a defensive full-back. So your defence isn't very rarely getting exposed. No one can really get in behind you. But okay, you're not doing as much maybe going forward. That's what it is. And I think players, more managers who like to play with the ball or attack, obviously, they see their full-backs as wingers at times, which is not a problem. I just think the big problem is when you have two full-backs going at the same time. I think teams who concede goals, I think you could always look... I always, seem to, I always like to look at sort of the full-back positions they take up because I think if you have a back four and they don't really move, I don't care whether they're the best defenders in the world or the most average, you can have a good defensive record, really. Uh, but it's, the top teams have to get the balance right. You can't keep everyone back because you won't score enough goals to, to win what you need to do. And I just think since that Tottenham game, Liverpool and Klopp, I think we've got the perfect balance right now where we, we look solid, but we also look like we've got plenty of goals. So yeah, Chris, fantastic. Full interview on the RedmenTV.com if you want to go over there and start your three-month trial and you can do just that. We're actually going to be seeing them again on Thursday. Yes, we are. It's going to be... Uh, it's a really cool event, actually. So um, here's... Well, he is putting his back in behind an event that not only raises funds for the 23 Foundation, but also raises funds for the firefighters' charities as well. You know, obviously it's now at the forefront of everybody's thoughts and because of Grenfell and stuff like that. And, you know, the, it's a joint event where any proceeds go to both charities. And, you know, Jamie Carragher's going to be there. We're going to be live streaming from the event itself. Darren Farley's going to be there. Willie Miller, a local comedian, will be there. There's like the um, Cheshire Fire Choir. And they're going to be singing. There's a harpist doing You'll Never Walk Alone. There's all kinds kinds of stuff going on like three course meal and stuff there's actually a link we'll post a link in the description if anyone's got a few pennies and mm -hmm. they, they want to be able to sort of help and donate to these two great charities uh, we'll put that in the description maybe pin it as a comment as well but um if you're not doing anything on thursday night i would highly hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
recommend it because Carragher's going to be talking some good stories and I reckon Istanbul is going to be one of them. Absolutely, and it's been a while since we've heard anything from Darren Farley as well, like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, get involved with the live stream and, uh, yeah, get involved with the charity as well, fantastic. So, moving on, West Brom at the weekend. Um, <coughs> when we did, you know, I've been referencing a lot with the running show. I would highly recommend going and watching it on the RedmenTV.com just to see how right we've been so far. Um this is where I've kind of come a little bit unstuck, maybe, because I had West Brom as an absolute dead rubber. I thought West Brom would be dead and buried by now. And by all accounts, Chris, they should have been. This should be a proper dead rubber. We should be able to do whatever whatever we want with this. We should be able to just steamroll them and go into Roma in, in the week. We should still be able to do that regardless. But they got a great result against Man United, which means they're not quite dead yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm happy about it, obviously. Um, again, I... I don't think it is a dead rubber because I don't think Bournemouth was a dead rubber. I think Jürgen Klopp will make a couple of changes for this game, but ultimately they'll have had a week off by the time West Brom comes around. And it wouldn't shock me to see a really full sense side oh, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, there's not there's no travelling yeah. before the next game against Roma. That's a big thing for us, I believe. You know, and Roma have got a game tomorrow night, Wednesday, and they've got a game at the weekend. I think it's Saturday. So they're coming in, you know, fighting for top four as well. Roma, they've had a draw with Lazio into Milan are on their tails. They're level on points with Lazio, fighting for top four in Champions League qualification themselves. Um, They can't take their foot off the gas either in their league. And they'll have just played two games in in a week before ours, whereas we're just playing one. So I think think we go into this West Brom game with a load of confidence, pretty much our best side. And we look to try and kill West Brom. Yeah, get, I think that get them off the aways yeah. for next season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm bored. I'm bored of. I'm bored of West Brom away. Um, yeah, my point is that Liverpool are always likely to go full strength for this. It just would have been nice for West Brom to be like, well, we're done. What else? What else is there for us to fight for? Whereas there's a chance, and, and again, this is up for us to kill that chance. And and I would I would back Liverpool to do it, of course. But it would have been nice for them to be on the beach, for them to be thinking, what am, where, where am I getting my next? paycheck from what am I going to be doing here whereas there will be a little degree to which kind of to some extent kind of like we said about the atmosphere of us at Bournemouth was their 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 fans will want to give them a little bit of a, a, a cheer for going to get for going and getting the results uh, you know against Manchester United or whatever and even though it is a, a, a look, it's a fractional, it's a marginal chance, it just means that we might have the, the first half an hour of this game might be slightly trickier than it would have been under under other circumstances. But as you said, I think you, I think you're dead right. This is one of those games where Jurgen Klopp probably does do what we said. You know, it's a game at a time. He goes right, okay. Who wants to play? It? Who wants to play at Roma? Me. All right. Okay. So who's available for who's available for West Brom? Oh, all of yeah. Okay, yeah, no, no problem. Because I think if anyone shows any sign of weakness from that team, he's the kind of manager who'd be like, well, listen, if you if you can't get yourself up for West Brom, then you're not going to be getting the chance to get yourself up for Rome. And isn't that the right way to do it? Absolutely. Isn't that exactly what you want from your manager? You know, you want to be able to obviously prioritize competitions at certain times, but not when you're still in a fight for top four. Yeah. And Listen, we're not just in a fight for top four anymore. Mm-hmm. We're in a fight for second place in this league. We're in yeah. a fight for third place in this league. And, you know, we might not consider it much different, but I'm sure 20 million extra in the coffers um, will do. I think the Champions League pot money that you get for next season is actually determined by where you finish in the league the oh, previous really? year. So I believe the way that it works is like 40% of the pot for England goes to the winners, 30% goes to second. 20 
for third and ten for four, making hundred oh, percent. Wow. And if you win the Europa League, you don't actually get a prize, any of that prize pool. Mm-hmm. So Manchester United won't get any Champions League prize pool f- because they didn't finish in the top four this season. Oh, wow. So actually, you know, there's a there's a huge amount, and we're talking like I think Liverpool are on for making about seventy million in the Champions League this season, yeah. um, because we finished in fourth. Now, if we have a strong run next season as well, and we finish second or third. How did that work out then? Because there was we found out through the week that we got more of the pool because we've gone further in the competition. Yeah, so I, I, there's different intricacies. <laughs> yeah, I'm basically reciting a tweet from Dan Kennett from yesterday or this morning. If it's maybe? from Dan, it must be exactly yeah. true. Yeah, um, but no, yeah, no, it, it, I I agree on that because I if we finish fourth, we finish fourth big shrug of the shoulders because fourth in the semi-finals in the Champions League is a pretty damn good season for us for the you know for the for the time we've been under this manager and from considering where we've been over the last decade or so. However, look at it. It's just it's just marginal increases from there just makes me smile more. Liverpool get if Liverpool finish third in the Premier League and they've got to the semi-final of the Champions League, then that is that is a tangible market increase. You can plot that on a graph and you can see Liverpool's rise in the league and you can go season on season improvements and you, it's not even up for debate whereas if Liverpool finish fourth inevitably there'll be just some idiot out there who goes well you finished fourth twice on the bounce it's like yeah we don't care but if you want me to care here's the reason why it's fine we're saving ourselves from stupid petty yeah. arguments well, all you do is you turn around to that absolute bell whiff and turn around to him and go well listen you told us we only got into the Champions League last season because we didn't have European football this season we've managed to get further than any of your clubs in the Champions League by the way and still finishing the Champions League places shove that up your fucking arse and shut the fuck up and go away thank you very much bye exactly um, so yeah, literally those words in case the conversation comes up by the way <laughs> if you can just if you can air quote that that would be perfect um, so yeah no I, I, I totally agree and look I, I, I think the Bournemouth game told everything we need to know about as you said about how seriously we're taking it but also in terms of the the flow that we're in I think we've I think we found the rhythm and I don't I, as you say I don't think we're likely to cut the legs off the rhythm for anything maybe Stoke depending you know depending on how the first leg goes maybe we'll, we'll do what we did against Everton <coughs> and we'll take it a little bit easier next weekend but as, as we've said the point the first objective for this season is is to finish in the top four. And the only way in which we finish in the top four is to close that door on Chelsea. And the only way to close the door on Chelsea is to keep winning games. They come so close, so close to losing to Southampton at the weekend. They've got an FA Cup game to focus on as well. I think it's... I I keep saying it. Maybe it'll be this weekend. Maybe it won't. But hopefully by the time we're finished with the Roma games, we'll know. There's a very good chance in two weeks' time we'll be in the final of a Champions League and top four will be, will be boxed off for next season. And that's, you know, that's exactly what we're what And we're that, about. that is when Dom Slanky gets his first Liverpool goal of the season. Absolutely. The final. Chelsea. Chelsea. Ings is going in the final. Yeah. I've been saying this for ages. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone on that, though? Is there anyone that you would you'd bring in? I think it would be, obviously, depending on his fitness. You know, he was in the squad at the weekend. I think I'm right in saying, am I? Was in the squad at the weekend, Woodburn? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I think 
he's getting closer, isn't he? You know, I, I can feel like towards the end of the season, if there are any dead rubber games in the Premier League, you know, if we've got top four secure, then he might make a push for for a place in the starting eleven. Um, other than that, no, not really. Yeah, I mean, there's only that Stoke game. I don't see any of the others as Wheelfield weakened sides. No, it's true because I mean, there's just there's such a gap. To, even if we were to get to the final, of course, like I say, look, I'm not jinxing stuff. It's a, it's it's all hypothetical. It's got to be discussed. Is the, there a two week gap after Brighton? It's basically a two week gap. Yeah, so it's like we play Brighton on the Sunday, FA Cup finals the weekend after, Champions League finals. Wouldn't the surprise. It wouldn't that. surprise me if we put a postseason a, a postseason friendly in. Yeah, you know, just to keep them in that rhythm because the Champions League finals move to a Saturday nowadays, isn't it? Um, so you know. The Sunday we play the Brighton, it wouldn't surprise me if that next Saturday there was some kind of a, if it's a behind closed door friendly or you know they try and make another few million quid for the charity or something. Yeah, there's definitely something in that. It, it, it's it's a it's a weird vibe because I'd like to see someone get a look. Maybe it's that you get a, it's a bit of a procession processional thing the Brighton game by that point, and maybe you do you bring you make a couple of subs because. That's like you say. That's your last chance to get minutes in everyone's legs for it. But that's the perfect world scenario. The one for me is just I love the idea of getting to Stamford Bridge, and I'd love to go to Stamford Bridge and it not matter. Yeah, I'd love to go and play a game of football at Stamford Bridge where we're just like, who cares? Who fucking cares? Do what you want. We'll do. We'll literally just rock up and, and and play that game. However we choose to play it. If we feel we need to go full strength, we'll go full strength. If we feel like we need to just go, go ahead, kids. Run riot, show Chelsea what you can do, do that. <coughs> it, it's that starts with West Brom if we want to get to that situation. Because, look, as, as we've seen with Chelsea, it's highly unlikely. And this is just on the balance of probabilities and, uh, and what have you. It's highly unlikely Chelsea will get into the top four. But, as we've seen with the Southampton result, it would be foolish of Liverpool to take it, to take it easy. The time for taking it easy will come. And I think I'm sure, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be saying that to his players. He'll be like saying, "Listen, lads, there's a there's so much time for you to get a rest. You can have a rest. You can have a week off after Brighton if you want. You know what I mean? Go and have a go and have a. We'll go we'll go to Marbella for a week and have a bit of a laugh, and then we'll get ready. You know that that's when your relaxation time comes. But not now. Not West Brom. Not this weekend. No, not this weekend at all. Sound. Uh, questions then come from Patrick Boyle, who's at PJ underscore Boyle on Twitter. He says, Why does my two year old feel that 5 30 a.m. is a reasonable time to wake and have the energy levels of 10 Olympic athletes? Oh, yeah, happy birthday to him. Also, too, today. Uh, yeah, kids are, kids are balanced, mate. Yeah. Uh, James Dubry, uh, I promise we talk about this. Uh, he's at James Dubry, Stubry7 says, Should Trent go to the World Cup? Um, I actually saw some of the analysis from Steve McManaman after the Bournemouth game, and I he was dead set against it. Wasn't I he? agree with him. I think there's no. I think what Steve McManaman's point was was if he's just going to go and be third choice right back after summer off, lad. Mm. If you're going to go and be a part of it, go. Yeah. And you know, right now it looks like Kyle Walker's well ahead of him. Um, I don't know who's second choice right back to be honest with you. I think. Yeah. Well, if he's second, I think he's probably. I think Trent probably deserves to be second choice right back. But then I don't watch Tottenham every single week. Um, nah, just after someone offline. Yeah, I can see. I can see when we do that. It's it's <coughs> pure England to be like this lad. This lad a month ago was getting lambasted of being too young it's and not good enough. And blah, I know exactly being targeted by by teams and looking at he had. 
but he was below par against Man United and, and Crystal Palace. There's no getting there's no getting away from that. He's been phenomenal since. He has been perfect since. He's just three absolutely phenomenal performances from him in massive games of different you know different magnitudes. Like, but uh, it's just so. An English player does well, and all of a sudden, BT are talking about it. Match the day did a little feature on him, post match in the analysis, and it. I want to keep our players away from that as much as possible. That being said, I, I you know I I don't disagree with the McManaman thing. I'd rather all Liverpool's players just go to summer off. Mm. I'd love them to swerve the World Cup, but the World Cup's massive, and it's one of those things that if they feel like it's a good thing, and I actually weirdly. I kind of trust Gareth Southgate to some extent because he's been there and he, he you know, he's been in those situations. You know, he, he knows what it's like. He's been in the camps at major tournaments. That I don't think he would take Trent and have him be, you know, like Walcott went and it was just the biggest waste of time going. I feel like if he took a Trent and he took a Ryan Sessignon and he took a, maybe another young lad, whoever that might be, that there would be a value to their growth for them to go. I don't see how it makes you a worse footballer by experiencing the atmosphere of being... Because, look, Liverpool have had him going on match day squads when he's not been on the bench. Do you know what I mean? So there's clearly Liverpool see a value to taking people along for the ride on stuff. But, I, I again, I, I would like every Liverpool player to get to the end of the season and get the best possible holiday that they can, they yeah. can have. I think for, for me, you know, he's probably got... If he's good enough, which he is, three World Cups after this one, 23 he'll be for the next one, 27, 31 maybe. Yeah. Um, I think he'll be good enough to go to three World Cups after this one. I think I think I'm right in saying he played something like 12 appearances for us last season. Bournemouth might have been his 34th yeah. appearance this season. If you want to see the best of Trent Alexander-Arnold next season and the seasons beyond, you don't overwork young players. Yeah. And you know, coming off the back of his his most intense season ever, and not just from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint, yeah. the work that he's been doing this season to train up and to compete against the, some of the best wingers in absolute world football, to then go and not have a rest over summer seems mental because you don't want to burn this guy out. And yeah. on your trusting with Gareth Southgate, I kind of share that opinion, although... You never truly know what a manager of, a, of an international side is going to do until they get the, the pressure of a World Cup or a tournament under yeah, the belt. Because yeah. he, he shows the right things now. Yeah. And maybe that's me being a little bit untrusting. Yeah. But when it comes to it, like when like when Kenny Dalglish came in at Liverpool and he was playing the young kids, but when it came down to crunch time at the end of the season, we started to see the same well, old faces it almost. Was, yeah, it was the start then. It was when he got the job permanently, all of a sudden <laughs> he had a job to lose, didn't he? So he, he the, yeah, no, I, And I what happens to Southgate and will he continue with that? Because my, my thoughts are probably are that he probably will. I think he's been told he's got a, he's got a long career with England and he's got a good, a good few years and he's probably got the safety net. But you know what the English media is like as well? Um, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't want that focus on Trent right now. After all the good that he's had this season, to then go and get fucking lambasted by the English press could set him back. As yeah, well. it's a, yeah, it's an, an interesting one. Like I, I think Steve McMahon actually got it right. I think it was him that said, or maybe it was uh, Jermaine Genius, which is a bit rare. Thing. JJ. Uh, Hi, Alex. It's JJ. No idea who that is, mate. Could you explain, Jermaine Genius? Nope. You the lad who blamed uh, Alan Shearer and the Newcastle players for bringing your level down? Yeah. Oh, I I, I read about you. Cool. Um, yeah. JJ. But I like the I like the notion of taking him in the provisional squad. 
get him there, dangle that carrot, and just get him training with the thirty man squad, and say, you know, you're going in the thirty man squad, but you're not going to the World Cup. So don't get your get your hopes up. But I'm bringing you in because bring that extra seven or t- or whether it's thirty man or thirty five or forty man or whatever before they whittle it down. No reason why he shouldn't be involved in that. Get him in. Get get him. Get him feeling it. Get him in, in the vibe. He said already. He's already done that. He's already been training with the first te- first team England squad. Great. Because I, I get the impression, as you say, with Gareth Southgate, kind of what Jürgen's doing. He's he's prepared to take a breath. He's prepared to build something over over a longer term. So that's absolutely fine. I think I think Trent deserves the rewards of that. What a great one! You've come in your first full proper season as a as a as a as a professional player, first full season at right back, and then you get in that provisional World Cup squad at the end. What a lift that is! Then go and have your holiday, go and relax, and then you come back that season going, okay, European qualifiers start in September <coughs> or August or whatever. Okay, I want to be in the England squad for that. I'm going to be double. I think that's the probably yeah. the, the best. Sounds good to me. Okay, finally then from Crows LFC, who's Lashland. He says, "Would you rather give up chicken or beer?" I struggled with this. I thought you might for a, for a little while, but then it just came to me. I like wine a lot, so I can get by without the beer. <laughs> I mean, no beer doesn't mean you can't get drunk anymore. Exactly, so, yeah. and that's where I, I thought I went wrong to yeah. begin with. Um, I mean, I know people out there are going, yeah, but you can do the same stuff with turkey and that, like, but it's just not the same as chicken, is it? Do you know what I mean? No, no nobody has fried turkey. Kentucky start. fried turkey. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do. I mean, it'd take forever to cook a fucking turkey leg in a deep fat fryer. You'd need a bigger fryer, wouldn't it's you? A, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it defeats the point of turkey being really good for you to then go deep frying anyway. Like, but no, I, I agree. I, I mean, I, as much as I, I prefer beer over, over most alcoholic drinks, um, I don't drink, I eat more chicken than I drink beer. So it would be a big loss. What about meat or alcohol? Meat or alcohol. Alcohol's getting ditched there, you know. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not cut out for a vegan <laughs> diet or anything like that. You know, I'm 35 years into this. I'm not changing me, I, my stripes now. I could give up. I could probably do the alcohol thing, but I don't know. That is a tough, that is a tough question. Like, yeah, I... I, don't, I think I'd be alright. There's right plenty of other things to do other than beer, Paul, and, and alcohol. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, we, not, none of which we condone on the Redman TV. Um, anyway, thank you very much for watching on YouTube. If you like it, drop a like on the video <laughs> and leave some comments below. Uh, if you're listening on Acast or any of the other major platforms for podcasts, leave us a review if you can, or a like, or whatever. And of course, go to the RedmanTV.com and sign up. Boom. Boom, sign up. We've got all kinds of amazing content. We've got the Jamie Carragher interview. We've got final word shows. We've got Chris's stats and tactics show and the Red News Roundup and a whole lot more as well. So go over there, sign up, and we shall see you there. Walk on.